Welcome to another episode of The Gospelpreneur, where we explore Bible secrets to prospering in wealth, health, relationships, and faith. Your host, Brother Andre, digs deeply into biblical science and practical applications while encouraging growth in all areas of our lives. So if you're ready to grow, let's enjoy this journey to biblical abundance. Here's Brother Andre. my friends. Hey Sister Hill, Sister Q, very good, very good. All right, let's, well let's get ready to study family and let's let's press in. Uh, the time is short. I know you have extra daylight out there so I know it's kind of hard to come inside and <laughs> and it was super warm here. I don't know it was like 66 degrees, 67 degrees today. Absolutely phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal as far as the weather is concerned today. So I know it's hard for me to come inside and sit behind the desk because I hadn't been outside to be enjoying that weather for a minute. Not like that. So we are about ready to rumble here. And let's have a word of prayer and let's dig right in. Father in heaven, I just want to thank you. We just want to thank you for your grace and mercy. I want to thank you, Father, for the opportunity to be able to open the Bible, to come inside and rest a while, to be in your holy presence, to think of and contemplate the realities of the gospel. And Father, in this moment in time as we are together as humanity, as broken and as real as we are, um, we ask, Lord, that you work a miracle in our hearts, that you save us from ourselves, our weak, unchristlike selves, that you give us discernment and understanding of your word, that the word may be applied to the reality of our hearts, that we may be changed into your very likeness and be a blessing to all that we encounter. We love you, Father. We ask that you teach us to love you more than anything else in this world. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Welcome, everyone. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Roger, Raul, Yvette, good to see you. Welcome. We're going to dig into our study, our series. This, can you believe it? This has been nine study. This is the ninth study that we're digging into. We have 17 total to do in our series. And I don't know about you, but for me, it's been like a rebuilding process between God and I as we've been going through the nuts and bolts of basic Christianity, you know, like the basic fundamental things of what constitutes being a Christian and living like a Christian should live. So I'm excited about the privilege of continuing this study and going deeper because sometimes we overlook the basics and we try to be advanced and then we try to be advanced. We really chase people away uh, and we lose our own souls. I mean, it's not even about chasing folks. It's we lose our own way. We lose our own our own. Uh, true north, if you will, because we have lost sight of the gospel. So we're ready to study tonight or this this. Yeah, it is tonight. Tonight we are dealing with the subject matter. Let's see here. We're dealing with the subject matter. Born to serve. Share the grace. Lesson nine. Born to serve. Share the grace. Now, I'm going to share a picture with you, and hopefully I turned all the sounds off, but the, here's a picture. 
of yeah, let me turn the sound off. Here's a picture of water, an ocean, or a river. You have a, you have a picture of a river, or oh, it's done already. Hold on. Yeah, you have a picture of a river and sunshine. Now, my question was, I was thinking about, man, where are the where's the source of all this water come from? So I did a little bit of a little bit of reminder of how water or rivers flow or how they come about. One of them is that a lot of times these rivers are formed in high glacial areas, right? So uh, the water is melting and goes into the porous rocks and then forms and flows downward with the gravity. Other times it rains, right? And the and the the watershed from the rain kind of washes off and creates these small tributaries that kind of flow into the river. And then the other part of the river is that underground, there are these aquifers that are created because of the porous ground, right? And these aquifers that are created uh, lead into these rivers. And so, but these rivers have a source, just like sunlight, right? The sun that shines throughout the day has a source, that the, the rays of light that you see come from a source. And so it is with the Christian, right? The believer. The believer has a source, the source of service, the source of goodness uh, that is out there. God is the source. He is the one that is the source of everything that is good. And James chapter 1 verse 17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. So all things good, whether you see somebody hugging or feeding or sharing good, healthy, intimate time with each other, these are all activities of goodness that have a source. All you're seeing are rays of light, if you will. You're seeing the river that's flowing, but there's a source as it is in the physical, so it is in the spiritual. There's a source, and God is that source of all things that are good. Now, the essence of bliss. Now, I, I want to focus on this for a moment because what I have found what I've found is that some of us as believers have lost focus on that which truly brings happiness in the life of a believer. I read here from Steps to Christ 77 paragraph 2. It says, the spirit of Christ's self-sacrificing love is the spirit that pervades heaven and is the very essence of its bliss. Think about this. This is the spirit that Christ's followers will possess, the work that they will do. Now, my friends, as I was preparing for this and as, as I was getting ready for the study, it began to deepen in my mind, become more clear to me that this spirit of service is not natural in us. It became more evident and more clear as I was preparing because I have encountered, I don't know if you've encountered, I've encountered persons who dread serving other people, who dread ministering to other people. They rather minister to themselves. In fact, I find that many of these persons disguise their selfishness by seeking happiness. When I say, well, what do you mean? Well, uh, uh, um, 
there might be a, a, a TV show they want to watch. So what will happen is they will engage in watching the television program so they can be happy. So they're seeking happiness from the, that source, right? Or another person will say, you know what? I will get into a relationship. And in that relationship, I'm seeking from that source happiness. So they're seeking happiness from objects. They're seeking happiness from things. They're seeking happiness from people. They're seeking happiness outside of themselves and go from event to event, from person to person, from thing to thing in order to gain happiness. And my friends, this, this mindset is actually quite detrimental because just think about this for a moment. If you're in a relationship and that person is not making you happy, what are you going to do? You want to seek to avoid being around these people because they don't make you happy because you're seeking for something from someone that does not have the ability to give you what your heart needs and what it desires. Now, I say that in light of this quote. Again, I read the spirit of Christ. Self-sacrificing love is the spirit that pervades heaven and is the very essence of its bliss. What is the what is the essence of heaven's bliss? Self-sacrificing love. Self-sacrificing love is the essence of the bliss of heaven. It is this spirit that Christ's followers will possess, the work that they will do. What work is that that is it that they will do? It will be self-sacrificing love. That's the work that they will do. That's the definition of the work. Self sacrificing love now i want to make sure that you get this locked in your mind self-sacrificing love is supernatural if you find someone that has it it's because god gave it to them if you find someone that is willing to go above and beyond it's because god has empowered them and infused them because he is the source i hope you're getting that so we're looking at the source which is god and we're looking at that which flows from god what is that self Sacrificing love flows from him, not natural in our own experience. All right. So I want to tell you a story. It's a true story. This really happened to me. I was doing some Bible work down in Scottsboro, Alabama. I'll never forget this. It was me and an elder or a deacon. His name was Brother Looney. And Brother Looney and I would go regularly to visit one of the community members every sabbath and we would give him a bible study lesson and we would go and literally my friends we would go to the door and we would knock on the door and we would knock on the door the person would never show themselves and this would happen one sabbath two sabbaths three sabbaths in a row the person would never show themselves they would literally put their hand out the door with the lesson guide that they finished we would take the lesson guide from them <laughs> And then, and then we would give them a new lesson guide into the hand of the individual, and then they would take the lesson guide back in the house. That happened for three weeks straight. Three weeks straight, it was just a hand at the door, and then we would switch the lesson. One day, before we went, I we prayed. We were just praying, Father, please give us the opportunity to meet this person, to actually talk to them, to see them face to face, and. We prayed this and then we went to the door and this time we went to the door, we knocked on the door and boom. 
Joe opens the door wide open, like wide open. We were so surprised. It had never happened before. So he opened the door wide open. We came in and we began to sit down and actually go over the study together. We will go less, you know, point by point together. We're going and in the middle of the study, in the, I kid you not, in the middle of the study, Joe stops us. And he looks at me, he looks directly into my eyes, and he says, I want what you have. Now, at that time, God is so good and so merciful, he immediately, the Holy Spirit immediately spoke to my mind. And I said back to Joe, I said, Joe, I can't give you what I have. But I can tell you where the source is. Y'all not hear what I'm saying. <laughs> Joe, I, I can't give you what I have. But I can get I can point you to the source. And when I pointed him to the source, Jesus Christ, the righteous, there is an unending spring of life that's available. Christ is the source. And when folks begin to see the reality that there is a source and that you are not it, I am not it. I'm simply a, simply a conduit. I'm simply a means by which God does his work. You and I are simply a means by which God does his work. We are simply conduits. But the source is Christ. And Joe recognized the, that there was something special about us and desired to have it. Now, he came from behind that door. And he started Bible studies. And he began to come to our church and give himself to God. And I want to I read this to you because, again, I want you to begin to... <laughs> As I was going through it today, I was like, man, this is so profound. Actually, it began earlier, but as I was contemplating today, it's so profound. Think about this. It says, the Savior's life on earth was not a life of ease and devotion to himself. But he toiled with persistent, earnest, and untiring effort for the salvation of lost mankind. From the manger to Calvary, he followed the path of what to say, self-denial, and sought not to be released from the arduous tasks, painful travels, and exhausting care and labor. And now, my friends, think about this. Think about this. You and I naturally don't want to do nothing that's right here. Persistent, earnest, untiring effort for the salvation of lost mankind. That is something that comes from a source. And he's willing to do this. He's willing to put his body and his mind and his soul. Remember now, we've been talking about these steps of learning to love God. And we've been observing how he moves in nature. We've been observing our own nature and mankind. We, we've been watching him do what he does in order to rebuild us and make us. And now it's coming to the reality of that which, if you are a Christian, there is something that is downloaded into your DNA that makes you want to serve God. Not that I have to serve God. It's not I have to give Bible study tonight. When I, I tell you the truth, I love to give these studies because I know what it does for me and I know what it does for others who see Jesus. The only reason why I give these studies is because I've learned to love God. And I've said, man, if I'm learning to love God still after all these years, and I've been preaching and teaching, let's see, I first gave my heart to the Lord at, I would say, around 8 or 9, right? And then around 13, I think I got baptized. 
and then kind of and then 18 I re re like re fell in love with God about 17 18 years old and I've been in ministry since I was 18. I think I'm 43 right now, right? <laughs> 43 years of I'm not 43 years, but I've been on planet Earth for about 43 years and if you add 20 to 18 that's 38 plus so what's that 25 years? Can you imagine that? For 25 years I've given myself to ministry. Not because I'm paid by it cuz I'm not really paid to do ministry. And he said still young. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> still got time to go, but 25 years, friends, of teaching and preaching, not because I'm paid, but because I love Jesus. And I want to learn to love him more. And I think you want to love Jesus more. And I think we've all been in this walk for a minute trying to understand how to have a more consistent, vibrant walk with the master. And what I'm sharing with you right here is the reality of this one great object of service is supernatural. And if you don't have this spirit of Christ in you to serve, then you just reevaluate. It's not a condemnation. It's not like, oh, you're not doing. It's a, you know what? I don't like to serve. Right now, I don't want to talk to anybody. I felt that way many times. I don't want to serve. I don't want to talk to people. But my friends, what happens is as your relationship with God warms and it grows, it begins to be like fire in your bones. And we're going to talk about that. So in Matthew 20, 28, it says, The Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is the mindset that Christ had. And as you and I are learning to love him, we will enter into that which he loves. And so in entering into that which he loves, we will have the same mind. So we don't come to minister. I mean, to be ministered to. We come so that we can minister to others. So hopefully tonight, you if you're being ministered to, praise God, then you take what you learn and you share it at your level with whom you would like to share it with. Right? The mindset is, I'm not simply here to gain, but I'm also, I'm here to gain and to give. Gain and to give. You'll see how it works. This was the one great object. What's the one great object? I'll read back to you. The Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life as a ransom for many. This was the one great object of his life. The one great object of his life was to minister, to heal, to help, to be a blessing wherever he was. The one great object of his life. Everything else was secondary and subservient. So it doesn't mean that the other things weren't done. It just means that they came in a particular line. First and foremost, he's come to serve and to save. Upon everything else, it's subservient to that one great objective. It was his meat and drink to do the will of God. And to finish his work, self and self-interest had no part in his labor. Wow. Self and self-interest had no part in his labor. I, I began to contemplate this throughout the week and thinking about this even today. And I'm saying to myself, Self and self-interest had no part in his labor? None. Zero. Zilch. Everything in his mind was for the benefit of others? What an amazing God. What a, what a mind 
what amazing love that he has for us that he will put that first above everything else. What about you and I, my friends? What about what about you and I? You see, as we are in relations with him, what begins to happen naturally, not forced, not coerced, but naturally, is that we are in communion with him, it begins to be like fire in our bones. We won't be able to help it. It's going to come out some way. If you're in love with Jesus, it's going to find its way out of your pores somehow. Somehow, some way, it will in, be impactful in your experience with your children or with your spouse. Some way, somehow. And it doesn't mean everybody's going to respond in a positive way to it. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is you won't be able to hold it in. You're going to be like, it's going to be like, imperative, like, it's going to be, like, not imperative, it's going to be impossible to hide the reality that you have been with Jesus and you will seek to serve and assist and be a blessing wherever you are. Well, I'm going to share some gems tonight. By God's grace, if you if you find it in your spirit to understand, it's going to be amazing. So keep it in mind. It's going to be like fire in your bones. It's not something that's forced. It's not going to be like, I read that I'm supposed to do missionary work. I must do missionary work. And you're forcing yourself to do it. That's not how it's going to be. It's going to be a natural response because the source is Christ and he flows through in your experience, which will manifest itself in seeking to serve and assist others. So Proverbs chapter 11, verse 25 says this, and this is King James Version says, The liberal soul shall be made fat, and he that watereth shall be watered himself. Interesting. The liberal soul shall be made fat, and he that watereth shall be watered also. A generous person, this is another version, ISV, a generous person will prosper, and anyone who gives water will receive a flood in return. Okay, so what's the principle? What is it that I'm trying to share with you? Think about this, my friends. When you actively engage in sharing with others the gospel, when you actively engage in being kind and courteous, when you actively engage in being helpful to others, what ends up happening is God has designed it as such that as you do unto other, it comes back to you. It comes back to you. You may not know exactly how it's coming back. It may not come through the person that you helped. But somehow, someway, God has designed this thing. Not that you would have these motives. I'm going to do not be nice so that I can get a blessing back. No, it's just the reality. Because you are doing this, it is a law that God has instilled to say, as you bless others, you will be watered yourself. As you give of yourself, you will find that you will be blessed in return because God is faithful and intentional in how he intends to reward those who are faithful to him. I hope that's making sense, my friends. A generous person will prosper and anyone who gives water will receive a flood in return. Now, this is going to make more sense as we read the next quotation because I find it to be fascinating. And my friends, I, you have to get this locked in. Watch this. It says, And the effort to bless others will react in blessings upon your, ourselves. This was the purpose of God and given us a part to act in the plan of redemption. Interesting. He, will, he has granted men the privilege of becoming partakers of divine nature, part one, 
and in turn and in their turn of diffusing blessings to their fellow man. So you become a partaker of divine nature and in their turn, you diffuse the blessing to your fellow man. So when you become a partaker of Christ and without question, you begin to bless other people. Now watch what she says here. This is the highest honor. The what kind of honor? This is the highest honor, the greatest joy. The what kind of joy? The greatest joy that is possible for God to bestow upon men. Those who thus become participants in the labor of love are brought nearest to their creator. Now, listen, friends. I think this is going to come out in the next in the next slide I'm going to put up here. But I want you to, I want you to lock this in your mind. The highest honor is that when you and I become partakers of divine nature, we begin to bless other people. This is the highest honor that we could have to be a conduit by which blessings can be poured upon other people. Now, folks neglect to do this, my friends. Folks neglect to when they receive the blessing, they end up worshiping the blessing instead of the God of the blessing. So they end up getting a nice job, nice cushy job. God has provided means for them. And instead of using the means to help advance the cause of God or to, to take care of the poor or to get literature out in the community or to sustain a ministry or to make sure a TV program is up and running that honors God, instead of doing that, what ends up happening, folks end up taking these financial blessings to themselves and becoming spiritually unhealthy. Same thing with our children. Same thing with our with our spouses. We, we want to take our family to ourselves. We want to take our children to ourselves. We want to take our finances to ourselves. And in doing so, we are robbing ourselves of a blessing. And we are robbing the community of a blessing. Do you, I, I realize that even as, even as I'm talking, there's a, there's a thought that says the greatest sermon that can ever be preached is a, is a well-ordered and a well-disciplined family. But imagine now. If your family was not well-ordered and not well-disciplined, imagine if your family was selfish and all they wanted to do is, everybody just want to have fun. All We just want to have fun. Just fun. We're going to vacation all the time. You're always on vacation. You're always just having fun. You're always just splurging your own money, just doing your own thing with your stuff. Instead of being a blessing, <coughs> your family now becomes a curse. It becomes a curse to you because you worship your family above God, Right? becomes a curse to the community because it doesn't do anything for the community. There's no blessing in that community because you're not allowing your family to be a blessing and show self-sacrifice in order and discipline. You take what God has designed as a blessing for yourself and the world and use it only for yourself, thus becoming spiritually obese. Hope you're following. Now keep, keep in mind, I'll read it again. Because again, there's so many gems in this one. Look at this. And the effort to bless others will react in blessing upon yourselves. We just read that in Proverbs 11.25. This was the purpose of God in giving us a part to act in the plan of redemption. So he's given us a part to play. Why? Because it is a blessing for us to be engaged in ministering to others. He has granted men the privilege of becoming partakers of divine nature and in their turn of diffusing this blessing to other men, right? To fellow men. This is the highest honor. No greater honor. This is the highest honor, the greatest joy. Now, pause here. Pause here. Remember, I started out by saying, I started out by telling you, there are people that seek, they seek for happiness. 
They seek for happiness in doing all these different things that bring temporary joy. But when you engage in what God says to be engaged in, you find your highest joy in serving in the positions and influences that God says to be in. Your highest joy. There's no greater joy. That's why it's hard for folks to understand. Man, Andre, you don't go to the club? Nope. There's no no, there's no joy in the club to me. <laughs> hey, you don't you don't sit and 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 partake in this and that. No, actually, my greatest joy, my greatest joy, is doing what I'm doing right now. Knowing that I'm in the will of God brings me joy. Knowing that I'm doing what God wants me to do brings me joy. When I get off the line here and I sit and I pray and I study or maybe I make a phone call, send it, whatever God has me to do, my greatest joy is resting in the reality that I'm where God wants me to be doing what he wants me to do. I find no lasting joy, no lasting joy. There's temporary pleasure, but there's no lasting joy in following after the things of my own desires outside of the will of God. And if someone is constantly going from place to place, thing to thing, event to event, to find joy and happiness, you are in and doing the wrong things. I say, here's what I say. Don't just start trying to do good things. I say, find the person, Jesus Christ. Be in fellowship with the Most High. And as you're in fellowship with the Most High, the joy will flow through you for the joy that is set before him is it, it, it becomes he's the source. And now you find joy in the things that for most folks aren't really that joyful to them. There's joy in service. As long as you're connected with the source, there's joy in helping and being a blessing as long as you are connected with the source. So think about this. We get to participate. And in that participation, watch this, as we participate, we receive the blessing, we receive the joy, we receive the spiritual uplifting. And remember, we're not doing it for that, but understand, it is a result that comes with serving others. We get the blessing, we get the joy, we get the spiritual uplifting as we participate in serving others. This, these results come from unselfish ministry. Unselfish ministry. Again, I asked the question. I just want you to think. What unselfish ministry have you done this week? What unselfish ministry have you engaged in this week? Where well, it wasn't just about you and about your paycheck. What, what unselfish service have you allowed God to be a light through you in the world? And is there more? Is there more that you can allow God to do through you? Just questions. Just questions. Second Corinthians 8, 9 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus, the Messiah. Although he was rich. For your sakes, he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. What is that saying? Look, think, of, think of the mind of Christ. He's willing to give all for the sake of making you all or whole, building you back up. And if he's willing to give all to build you, 
then your mindset and entering into fellowship with him, entering into sufferings with him, entering into his union with him, you become close with him and you will do similar things. Now, as you do this, my friends, enter into this self-sacrificing mindset. This is when you become. Now, I'll read this. And it is only as we thus fulfill the divine purpose, right? What's the divine purpose? The divine purpose is service. So when you enter into this divine purpose in our creation, that life can be a blessing to us. Please, I want to stop. I want, I want you to think about what I'm saying. There are persons and individuals that are fading out of Christianity right now. You know why? Because they know about attending church. They know about good preaching. They know about Bible study. But they have not engaged actionably with the Spirit of God in being active, intentional uh, conduits of service of love to other people. Yeah, you love your wife. This is good. You love your husband. This is good. Now what? Is there more? Is there is there other places where you can serve? Is God calling you to a higher level? A higher plane? A higher level of self-sacrifice? It's only as we thus fulfill the divine purpose of our creation that we find life can be a blessing. And that you find that joy. You feel you understand what I'm saying? Otherwise, self-interest and self-exaltation and self-fulfillment will only perpetuate an endless cycle of unhappiness. So what is your purpose? What is God's intent for you? What does he want you to do today? I'm not asking what's your, his purpose for you 10 years from now. That Let that be. Today, what has God called you to? Remember the mind of Christ, 2 Corinthians 8, 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, although he was rich for your sakes, he became poor so that through his poverty, you might become rich. Self-abasement helps bring others up. Think about it, my friends. Think about what I'm saying. Think about what the inspiration is bringing to us. I'll read this to you. It says, if you will go to work as Christ designs that his disciples shall and win souls for him, you will feel the need of a deeper experience and a greater knowledge in divine things and will hunger and thirst after righteousness. You will plead with God and your faith will be strengthened and your soul will drink deeper drafts at the well of salvation. Encountering opposition, listen to this now, encountering opposition and trials will drive you to the Bible in prayer. You will grow in grace and the knowledge of Christ and will develop a rich experience. Now, my friends, I can testify to this. I remember, and, and I don't want to be telling my own testimonies the whole time, but I remember when I was canvassing my first couple of, uh, my, it was at Oakwood. I think this was at Oakwood. And was on a canvassing campaign. Excuse me. And as we were there, I remember we were going to knock on this door. I'll never forget it. I went to knock on this door. Person came out. They seemed so nice. They opened the door. I was like, hey, my name is Andre. Working my way through school. Blah, blah, blah. 
gave him the book. They were like, come in. I was like, great. We're about to get this, we're about to get this book. Yeah, I go in there. They was like, wait here. They had me sit down. Now, when I sat down, there was a, I was sitting on the couch. There was a chair to my to my right. So I came in the door. There's a chair right there by the door. But they had to sit on the couch. So I'm sitting on the couch. The chair is over here to my right. There's another wicked chair. I don't know if you guys know what a wicked chair is. But there's a wicked chair sitting over here. And the guy said, wait. So he went. I'm sitting there. They come, He comes back with two other people. So one person sits on the couch next to me. The other person sits in the chair. The other person sits in the other chair. And I'm like, uh-oh. What? <laughs> I was like, what's happening right now? Because they came out serious. They came out like they was about to be on some stuff. So I was like, uh, they, were said, they said to me, uh, so do you believe that Jesus is God? I was like, yeah, I believe Jesus is God. And they were like, well, Jesus himself said he wasn't God. And they started going in. Now, at that time, I didn't know what I know now. I promise you, I didn't know what I know now, but they went in. And then they were like, do you believe in the King James Version? I was like, yeah, I do read the King James. Don't you know that King James was a homosexual? I'm like, what? I was, I was, I was confused. I had never heard. I had never heard what they were talking about. And they went in talking about the, there's no holy, there's no th three persons in the Godhead. And I was just like, what is happening right now? The only thing I knew, guys, of just this true story. The only thing I knew was. The seventh day was the Sabbath. <laughs> that I knew. So I said, I said, what day you guys go to church? They were like, Sunday. I said, don't you know the seventh day is the Sabbath? And I grabbed my bag and I ran out the door. Because that's all I knew. <laughs> that night, though, that night, the reason I tell you the story, that night I didn't go to bed. I stayed up. And I studied and studied and studied for hours. Prayed and studied, prayed and studied, prayed and studied. Because I said, this will never happen to me again. You ain't going to catch me off guard. I prayed and I studied. And I came to a greater knowledge of God, a greater knowledge of the understanding of the plan of salvation, a greater knowledge of the Godhead, a greater knowledge of how the scriptures work. I even found out how the Bible was written, how it was passed out. Like, I dedicated myself to understanding. When the trial and tribulation came, it pushed me greater. It pushed me into a deeper relationship with God. That's what that quote is saying. I'll read it again to you. Look at, look at what it says. It says, in the middle, it says, You will plead with God, and your faith will be strengthened, and your soul will drink deeper of the drafts of the well of salvation. Encountering opposition and trials will drive you to the Bible and prayer. You will grow in grace and the knowledge of Christ, and will develop a rich experience. You see, the other thing I, I thought about too as I was, read this, when I when I first started to be dedicated to God when I was in my 18 years old, and my parents were looking like they were about to get a divorce or whatnot, that sent me into deep prayer. That sent me into like a deep cry out to God. And I, it wasn't just one night like that. It was like several nights of me crying out to God, and it culminated in. On one Sabbath, when I went down in front of the church, they would have like a special prayer at Oakwood, and I went down in front. Nobody knew why I was down there. There's thousands of people that go to that church, and so, you know, they have the altar prayer, and everybody goes down to pray, and I'm down there praying. I'll never forget this. I'm down there praying to the Most High, 
And I'm weeping like a baby, though. Like, I'm weeping. Because my family's about to be destroyed, and I'm weeping like a baby. And I remember as I'm praying on my knees, this lady puts her arm around me. And But there was something else that started to happen. Like I And I don't know. This is how I remember it in a spiritual sense. It was like a supernatural hand came from the Most High and touched my shoulder and went through my soldier and my heart slowed down. Like my heart was beating very quickly. And I prayed this prayer. I'll never forget the prayer. I said, Father, you got to do one of two things for me. I said, either you got to save my family or you have to give me what the Bible said is peace that passes all understanding. So you got to do one of the two things or else I'm gonna, I feel like I'm going to die. And the Lord blessed me and gave me peace. Gave me peace. It didn't make any sense. Like it was supernatural. And in that moment in time when the Most High gave me peace, it was in that moment that I said, well, if the gospel works like this, if the gospel can bring peace to an unstable mind like my own, if the gospel can bring peace to a mind that was just frustrated and I had no hope and had lost all control, if the gospel can bring peace in the midst of a storm, then I will serve the God of the Bible. That's when I made my decision right there. Now, at that time, I was a physical therapy major. <laughs> And the Most High came and quieted my spirit. I'll never forget it. And from that moment, I was like, you know what? I'm going to serve God. If he wants me to preach, I'll preach. Wherever he wants me to go, I'll go. Whatever he wants me to do, I'll do. It was born in me. It wasn't like I forced that. It was like, whatever God wants, I am willing to do. And it, was, it came not from me. It was from a source, the Most High. My communion with him, deep. And from that source, it was like, for the rest of my life, whatever he wants me to do, I'm willing to do. And of course, that commitment has been tested over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. Trials and tribulations don't stop. The enemy doesn't like doesn't say, oh, guess what? Andre made a decision for God. We're just going to let him run, run right through. Nope. That's not what happens. But I, do, I will tell you what happens. As you encounter trials and opposition, they have to drive us to the Bible and to prayer. This is why sometimes I think the devil just messes up. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, if you think about this, and there's been several instances in my experience where the enemy has tried to show up almost in person, if you will. Demonic possession where people were possessed around me or different stuff going on. It's like, why would you show your hand if you know... That I'm going to go to God. He's going to deal with you. You know what I'm saying? But I think at times he sees weakness and he says, okay, this is the time to do this. But in reality, when you do that to believers, the believer says, I'm just going to go to my knees. I'm going to go to the most high. I'm going to cry out to God and God's going to deal with that old slew foot. Right? That should be the experience driving us to our knees. And in so doing... As we're going through our trial and tribulation, and this is so for me right now, I don't know, sometimes I, you know, you guys are here just as bystanders of what God's trying to do in my brain. But as we go through our trials and it pushes us in either surrendering to God and submitting to his spirit, we grow in grace and we grow in, in this fellowship and commune with the most high. It is so beautiful, my friend. 
So when you get trials and tribulations, stop looking at them like, oh no, it's happening to me again. Trials and tribulations literally are allowed by the Most High to drive us closer to Him. To take our hands off the wheels of our own lives and let God direct the wheel of our lives. That's what it's designed to do. If we allow God to do what he desires to do with our lives. So here. I got this picture. I, I got to uh, put this here because sometimes we got too many blessings. Now listen to me. Sometimes God blesses us with these wonderful gifts and abilities, whether it's preaching or teaching or whether it's helping or some of us have the skill set to make money. And so when you don't take the blessings of when you take the blessings of God and you keep them to yourself, look at that before picture. That's you. That's me. That's you with all the blessings. You just got a bunch of blessings stored up and you're not using them. You're becoming spiritually unfit. Spiritually unfit, right? But when you start using the blessings in the service of God, because God's going to bless you. God blesses the just and the unjust. So God's going to bless you. The question is, are you active with the blessings that God has given you? You say, Brother Andre, I can't preach. That's great. God don't need many more preachers. He needs more people that live in this day, right? He needs more kind people and loving people. He needs more people that are reflecting him in this dark world. He needs people that have backbone. <coughs> and in having backbone, they still are kind and loving persons. Remember, as it is in the physical, so it is in the spiritual. Activity is the condition of life. Activity is the condition of life. And if you want to grow in your walk with God, find yourself active in your spiritual walk. Do something, my friends. Do something. Find a way to share. Okay, here's here's a question. I'm going to ask you a question. Give me, pop in the chat. Throw it in the chat. Give me multiple ways that you can share. Give me one way you can share. Two ways you can share. Three ways you can share your love for God with someone else. And I want you to, you can think of the conventional ways or the unconventional ways. Throw it in the chat. How can you be active in sharing your love for Christ? I'm looking forward to seeing your answers. Go ahead, throw it in the chat. If you're listening on Facebook, throw it on the Facebook. I'll, I'll, I'll look on the line if you're listening there. If you're on YouTube, if you're listening there, throw it in the chat. How can you show and be active in showing your love for Christ? All right. Speak to a friend about divine revelation from God. Amen. Talking with a friend or family. Amen. This is good. Any other ways? Active, intentional ways to share your love for God. Helping others that have needs. All right. Good. What, what does that look like? Helping others that have needs. What does that look like? What are, what is it? some things that we could do? Because at the end of the day, Sometimes we are so broad, we don't do any, you know, activities or whatnot. So give me some specificities in regards to things that we could do. Sharing books. Amen. We could definitely share books. Someone that need help cleaning. Yes. See, that's, yes. Help cleaning, cooking, yard work. Yes. Yes. I'm sharing this service with two others. They are with me. Amen. Ex exactly. Sharing. 
Absolutely. Yeah, we have to think, brothers and sisters. It's not as complicated as we try to make it sound like everybody got to get a pulpit and everybody got to preach and everybody got to go live. Being friends to someone that is lonely. Amen. Amen. How many lonely people are present in this world right now? COVID did a number on folks, man. Made people isolated, mental health issues all around the board. How can we share the love of God? Intentionally being engaged in our community, sharing books, sharing tracts, sharing different things that we found, sharing our testimony with whomever we can share it with who's willing to listen, being a listening ear to people that don't have anyone to listen to them, helping in the yards. Man, there's so many things that we can do. Be intentional in reaching out to elderly person in church. Absolutely. Bring food to someone that cannot go to the store. You know, people will make money off of that. I'm not saying to make money. I'm just saying bringing food to someone that cannot go to the store. People are making money off of that, friends. If we turn that into a free service, can you imagine how many people we could help? I'm saying, like, Bring this mindset, expand your mind to, Lord, how can I be a blessing? What is it that you want me to do? Medical missionary work. Yes, medical missionary work. That is a very, very good work to do. It has many definitions, but amen to that, right? Amen to that. Our minds, brothers and sisters, needs to be broad in how we seek to help others. Look for opportunities. Every day there's an opportunity, my friends. Every day there's an opportunity to be a benefit and a blessing to others. So let's go a little bit further. So there's a work that the church has been appointed to do. And that, that work, there's a mission the church has been appointed to do. And the mission of the church is not behind the four walls. We have been, the church has been appointed as an agency for the salvation of mankind. That is our calling. Ecclesia, called out of darkness into what? Into marvelous light. We are called out, called out of Babylon. And because we have been uh, debtors to salvation, right? We have debtors to Christ. Christ has done so much for us. It goes without saying that the love of Christ revealed to us makes us debtors to all who know him not. So whoever doesn't know him, we we, it's, we almost we have this obligation, if you will, a spiritual obligation, not just a rule obligation, but a spiritual obligation to share Christ with them. God has given us light, not for ourselves alone, but to shed upon them. And when you do this, you do it in your own armor, if that makes any sense. So you have your own talent. You have your own opportunities to share. Not everyone preaches. There are some people that have a hair ministry. That's what they do. They help people with their hair. They help people uh, 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 with their uh, folks that have talent simply by being a help to someone in their home. There's nothing wrong in any aspect of service that God has called you to. And there's no little and no big. It is what has God called you to and where are you at in that calling? What has he called you to? And my friends, if you're wondering what he's called you to and you just wonder for the rest of your life, it does nothing. So you can wonder and still actively engage. So like if you're wondering, well, how can I be a blessing? And if you find out, oh, they're feeding the homeless this week. How about just go feed the homeless while you're still asking the question, right? 
right? Go go do it while you're trying to figure it out still. Then after you do that, you say, oh, I want to go visit the nursing home. Okay, go do that while you're trying to figure it out. And as you're going to do it and you're serving in different capacities, you may find the reality of what you can do. But don't sit there all day thinking, oh, I wonder how I could be a blessing. Three months later, I wonder how I could be a blessing. <laughs> Four months later, I don't know how I could be a blessing. Go and do. Go and be. And that's right, Brother Raul. Love not expressed will soon die. This is so true. That's in the home. That's also there in the world. As we are out there engaging with others. I find it interesting, my friends. Like The more you exercise and express your love for God, the greater it becomes. The more you're out there doing, the stronger you become. The less you do, the weaker it becomes. We, we, it, 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 is, it is imperative that we, it is not simply a head knowledge that we have. Like when you begin to engage, uh, let me say it this way. And this is why there's a blessing that comes back to you. So when you be, begin to engage in serving others, right, with no desire for gain for yourself, what happens is you have entered into union with Christ. So as you are blessing others, you become blessed and you begin to grow deeper in your love relationship with God. The neglect of this experience alone will lead you to have a head knowledge leading you out of the experience with Christ. Therefore, we become obese Christians in the spiritual sense. Right. You have to. I encourage you. I implore you that a true relationship with Christ will be active will be active and as we awake to duty there's a powerful there's power here when you awake to duty there's work to be done in mission mission in heathen lands there's work there's financial means that you have that can be used to advance the cause of god sister someone there are sympathies that you could have there is prayer so i says what what if i'm shy right that makes sense i i get it Somebody says, can I fake it till I make it if it's uncomfortable? Well, he, he, let me put it this way. Your love for God will be fire in your bones. At some level, in some way, you're going to find a way to express it. You will. Whether that's with your money, whether that's with your sympathies, whether that's with your prayers. You can pray in earnest for brothers and sisters that are in the work. And you can pray for courage, Right? So you don't need to fake anything. You can just find other ways to express what God has put in your experience. And as you do this and you step out, the spirit of God will strengthen you and give you courage in places where you didn't think you would ever do anything or speak. Again, the, the reality is it's not just about talking. There's too much talking going on in my opinion, right? It's too much talking going on sometimes. Sometimes there needs to be some prayer warriors praying for folks Praying that the demons get off folks' backs. Praying that homes be restored. Praying that the church be revived. Praying for the young people that are being bombarded with temptations from, from all over. Right? As you're praying and you're looking for God to give you what you don't have. You remember, you guys know Moses, right? Moses had a stuttering problem. You guys know that? Moses is like, I'm shy. I don't want to speak. You remember that? 
God said, okay, I'm going to deal with you, Moses. No worries. I'm going I'm to have my, your brother come. He will be with your mouthpiece for you. I will talk to you. You talk to your brother. And God accommodates. And there came a point which it was no longer God speaking to Moses to speak to Aaron. It was more like God spoke to Moses and then, then Moses spoke to everybody. God is, listen, I love the Most High because he, he does not force us to be in a position ahead of our time. And as we learn to trust him in his prop in the proper time, what will happen is we will grow and develop and become more and more and more and more and more like him. Everybody thinks, hold on, let me let me just come off of this real quick. Most people that meet me think that I am not shy. Okay? Now I am naturally, the first thing I am naturally is an introvert. That's, that is my natural response. That is my natural response is introversion. I'd rather not deal with people. People are scary. That's my natural response. Over time, what the Most High has done with me, he's put me in so many different experiences all over the place. Now I'm less shy. It's still there. But I'm more of an omnivore, right? I'm, a, I'm an ambivert. I can kind of do whatever I have to do. To, to advance the cause of God and engage with people and so forth and so on. But that did not come from day one. From day one, God put a, a burden in my heart. He gave me the ability to open my mouth and communicate. Because that was a gift. Because before that, I had never preached before. And God gave it and put it in my mouth. And now I'm able to talk and communicate. But that's him doing that. But there are many ways outside of preaching for you to be a blessing to others. And it's beautiful, Sister Monica, that you have sympathy, right? God has given you that ability to have sympathy and empathize with others who, who suffer. Weep with those who weep, the Bible says. There's other things here. You don't have to go to foreign lands to do mission work. Your home is your mission field, friends. Your home. Circle home. That's your first mission field. Not everybody in your mission field is not going to be converted. That's not what happens. But the point is, in your home is the first place you can be to be a light. To be a light in this world. You be a light in your church. You can be a light in your workplace and in all your business interactions. Oh, I'm about to give you something in a minute right now, friends. There's a mission field all over. And I don't want you to hide behind the idea that I have to go to a foreign land or hide behind your comfort of being in this country. If you are comfortable, you might be in danger. <laughs> you may be in spiritual danger because you're not putting yourself out there for God. You don't want to be uh, 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 labeled or anything. You, the thing is, my friends, wherever God calls you, be a light where you are and open your heart and mind to the possibilities of what God can do through you. You must be willing. That's right. You must be willing. And as you're willing, God will give you the power and enable you. Now, I want to share something with you that comes from, I have a whole other series, but I thought this will fit here in this subject tonight. And I put it here because I, I, I sometimes I think people miss this and I don't want you as in this group to miss it. Notice what this says. 
Christ was a true worker in temporal as well as in spiritual things. And into all his work, he brought a determination to do his father's will. And how much of his work? All his work. The things of heaven and earth are more closely connected and are more directly under the supervision of Christ than many realize. What do you mean? Watch. It was Christ who planned the arrangement for the first earthly tabernacle. He gave every specification in regards to the building of Solomon's temple. The one who in his earthly life worked as a carpenter in the village of Nazareth was the heavenly architect who marked out the plan for the sacred building where his name was to be honored. Interesting. So he's a carpenter and he's a heavenly architect. Now I want you to think about Jesus for a moment. Now Jesus would go fishing. You guys know about the story of Jesus fishing? <laughs> his fishing prowess is, is, is hall of fame worthy, right? When Jesus went fishing with these disciples, and they had been all out all night looking to garner fish, they could not find any fish. So what did Jesus do when he saw them that next morning? He told them, cast your net on the other side. Right? The guys are like, hey, we've been fishing all night. What are you talking about, Jesus? Jesus said, cast the net on the other side. When they threw the net on the other side, the fish net started to be overwhelmed with all these fishes in the water. The net started to break. The brothers called over the other people to help. And there were so many fish that the business, the fish business, went booming. And the proceeds from that fish business was able to sustain a ministry for weeks on out, my friends. Jesus was in the carpentry business and Jesus helped in the fish business. Now I'm not hearing what I'm saying. Stay with me. So it is whether Jesus was in the carpenter shop or whether he was with his disciples in the boat fishing for fish, he was still in the will of God. He was still about his father's business. Stay with me now. I'm going somewhere with this. Religion Listen to this quote. I've never seen anything like this before. Religion and business are not two separate things. Mercy. Religion and business are not two separate things. They are one. Bible religion is to be interwoven with all we do and say. Divine and human agencies are to combine in temporal as well as in spiritual achievements. They are to be united in all human pursuits. How many? All human pursuits. In mechanical and agricultural labors, in mercantile and scientific enterprises. There must be cooperation in everything embraced in Christian activity. Wow. 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 Whatever we find our hands to do, we are doing it under the auspice and power of the Holy Ghost. There is never a time that they are to be separated one from the other in the Christian experience. And how are we to have 
it, it, I thought it was interesting because it said pursuit in me uh, mechanical, architect architectural, or agricultural, sorry, mercantile, scientific. In other words, whatever field that you find yourself in is an opportunity to be a conduit of the light of the Most High. You don't have to go overseas to do this, mm -hmm. but you must be consecrated and allow God to work in you to be a light in this world. I hope that's making sense. I hope, I hope you're processing this thing. Because sometimes, my friends, we make this more complicated than it need be. Well, let's go further. I love what 1 Corinthians says, Brethren, let every man wherein he is called therein abide in Christ. In other words, my friends, whatever station you're called to, whatever walk of life that God has designed for you, allow the Holy Ghost to work in you so that others can see the reality of the power of the gospel in your life. Do not shortchange the gospel by simply saying it's the preacher's responsibility for, for the gospel to be preached. No, you are to be a light where you are. Every true Christian will have this experience. Brethren, let every man wherein he is called therein abide with God. And my friends, as you abide with God, there is no question that folks will see Christ in you. But you have to be intentional. Don't go about this thing haphazardly be intentional in regards to the station and the call God has in your life we're almost done it says the humblest and poorest of the disciples of Jesus listen to this this is for all of us my friends the humblest and poorest of all disciples of Jesus can be a blessing to others they may not realize that they are doing any special good but by their unconscious influence what kind of influence unconscious influence they may start waves of blessing that will widen and deepen. And the blessed results they may never know until the day of final reward. They do not feel or know that they are doing anything great. Come on now. You can't tell me that's not good news. Sister Yvette, you hear that? You may not even know that your consistent Godly life is having the influence on the heart of men. And you may not know what's happening, but my friends, it's happening. If you are faithful to what God has called you to do, even in the quote unquote little things, you will have an influence. This will happen, my friends. I am so happy and I praise God that he does not minimize our faithfulness, even in what is apparently little things. It says they are not required to weary themselves with anxiety about success. They have only to go forward quietly. How? Quietly. Doing what? Doing faithfully the work that God's providence assigns. And their life will not be in vain. Hallelujah. Their souls will be growing more and more into the likeness of Christ. They are workers together with God in this life and are thus fitting for the higher work. And the unshadowed joy of the life to come. Come on. Somebody say amen to that. That is powerful. Powerful. That, that union, that sacred faithfulness to that which God has providentially called you. No matter what it is. Whether it's just simply being 
a mother in a home. That's powerful. You know not the impact of your faithfulness in that charge alone. Whether it be a position at the church or whether it just be no position at any church. Whatever God has called you to do, you do it faithfully. And the ripple effects of such faithfulness will have eternal consequence for good. Amen. Praise God. So let's let's make this practical. Let's make this practical. Because I at the end of the day, my friends, in summary of what we've talked about, our union with Christ will allow for the Spirit of God to flow through us and have an impact. And you can have an impact at home, you can have an impact in overseas. You could have an impact going to the gas station, going to the grocery store. Can you imagine? Think about this now. When you smile at someone in the grocery store, do you realize that that genuine smile, that genuineness of Christian virtue that is coming from you will have an impact? You just Think about it. The woman with the issue of blood, the woman with the issue of blood literally simply touched the hem of his garment and by simply touching her whole life was changed you don't know what type of power flows from you as you are connecting with the most high and having influence on lives you don't know how many times the devil has come and said andre this, you don't know you you don't your bible studies ain't really having an impact you're, you're wasting your time you know you're not a good person, Andre. You probably should just hang this up. Yeah, all that. You know the reason why he's coming like that? Because he's afraid. <laughs> oh, Andre, you know you're not that influential as a as a speaker. There are people that have great more, much more influence than you. Why are you wasting your time giving? Bruh, look. God said do this. So I will do what he says. And whether it's preaching for 120 years and nobody gets on the boat. We don't know, but to this day, that Noah's Ark story has an impact on my life. It has an impact on your life. It is faithfulness to what God has charged you to do. Let the results be in God's hands. You just stick to your assignment, right? Understand your assignment. <laughs> stick to your assignment, and God will bless you. So let's talk about some practical steps. So this weekend, over the Sabbath, or whenever you're listening to this, Take time to examine what you do to share Christ with others. Huh? Take time to examine it. What am I doing in my life that is that I'm actively, intentionally sharing Christ with others? Number two, think about intentional ways to share Christ in the mission field nearest you. What, what are some practical things that you could do in the mission field nearest you? How can I be a blessing? I mean, whether that's just putting a post online, that's fine. Okay, great, you did that. Now, okay, how are you engaging at the at the grocery store? Great. How are you engaging with dealing with your bills and talking to people and paying your bills on time or having conversations and being honest? And, uh, my friends, faithfulness, intentionality, and how we share Christ in the mission field near you. Practical step number three, consider your finances. Consider where are you putting your money? Consider your finances and how you can best use them to advance the cause of God. Are you spending too much money on the on the uh, the streaming services? Right. 
How are you using the finances of God? Are you spending too much money buying this and that? How are you using your finances to make sure God's message gets out to the world? How are you using your finances to, to make sure that the gospel, you know, one of the things, you know, I got, we got several businesses that we try to run, right? And I'm thinking to myself, Lord, if you, as you're blessing me with these finances, right, as you're blessing me with the, I want to make sure that I can hire Bible workers and I can hire more workers for the for our uh, missionary training school. And we can make sure that we have these flyers to hand out. And we can pay for these books and we can broadcast it. Like my, my brain is like, Lord, this is going to cost a lot of money. <laughs> and God got the money. And he has the people. We, get, we have the wherewithal. The question is, are we using it to advance the cause of God or are we just pouring it into ourselves? This is a question. Practical step number four. Look into foreign mission projects and consider how you can help financially and or in person. Consider it. Is, are, is there anything that I could do financially to help the cause of God in foreign, in foreign mission field. Is there anything I can do in person? Can I go there? Can I help for a time? Consider these things, my friend. I'm challenging you. I'm, I'm, I'm encouraging you to push yourself in that direction because we're living in a time where God is looking for. When I say he's looking for, listen to me now. We're living in a time where God is looking for persons that he can use as conduits of his message of salvation in a dying world that's all can he use you will you give him permission to work through you for he is the source you can't make up love for people it doesn't it doesn't work that way he has to give you love for souls love for people and as you're in fellowship with him the power of god will come upon you and you will find your place with him so I'm going to encourage you. Ask yourself these questions. Be practical in your walk with the Most High. And as you do this, you will find your joy in service, in helping others. You will find your joy. I remember, uh, listen, I got I to gotta end with this testimony. I remember when I first started giving Bible studies. It's probably my second or third Bible study I was giving. And I the gentleman had wrote, written in to receive Bible studies at his home. And at that time, I was a missionary student learning how to do, do the, give Bible studies. And so this particular Bible study I had gone to by myself. And maybe at that time, I had visited him maybe twice. And I had not been yet taught that in every lesson that you give, you have an appeal. I had not had that instruction as yet. But one day, I was reading through the book Evangelism. And as I was going through the book, it said at every lesson given, you ask for an appeal. You call for a decision. So I had never asked for a decision before. <laughs> I had never done it before. And so my third lesson with the guy, I went in there and we did the study. And we got to the end. And I asked him, would you accept Jesus Christ as your personal savior? That's what I asked him. And it felt like forever because he did not answer right away. I, I it just felt like he was it felt like maybe I did something wrong. I was I asked the question and it was just silence. I think 10 seconds felt like three minutes. It was so long, but it was only about 10 seconds. 
and he said yes. Now let me tell you, let me tell you something. Oh, I don't think I've ever been more happy in my life than in that moment in time. That man said yes to Jesus as his personal savior. When we finished that study and I left that, I think I literally floated down the stairs. I don't even remember touching any stairs. I just kind of just floated and kind of floated. It was like three levels. I floated all. <laughs> I felt like I floated all the way to the car because I was just so happy. So happy that this man had accepted Christ. That's what I'm talking about. Like you enter into this joy where before it was like it's like church. Oh, it's just church. Oh, it's just... no. You enter into this joy like this man has accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. I'm happy because I know what Jesus will do for him. I know because I've experienced Jesus. You follow what I'm saying? So I'm saying to you, if you enter into fellowship with him and just I'll give you another example. When we go canvassing, one of the things I know in my mind, when I'm talking, angels are speaking through me, influencing my tone and my voice, giving me wisdom beyond my normality. I've got several times. I remember I remember this one time. And I, I, I remember this one time. We went to a house, or I went to a house, and the Spirit of God spoke to my mind. We I knocked the door. The man comes out, super nice, su super nice guy. So he says, hey, what do you got? So I share him the books. He's like, man, this looks really good. I'm going to go inside and I'm going to share with my wife. And before he could turn around and go inside and share with his wife, all you heard from the background was, we don't want none. <laughs> That's all you heard. They're like, we don't want none. He was like, he's like, wait here, wait here, wait here, Andre. So he goes in, tries to explain the thing to his wife. She not getting it. He comes back to me. He's like, he's like, sorry. I, I said, hold on, sir. I said, where's your wife? Now, I've never done this ever again after this one day. I said, where's your wife? He said, she's in there. I took the books out of his hand. I walked into the house without permission. I never did it again. But this time, the Spirit of God moved me. I walked into the house, and I, she was shocked that I was in her house. <laughs> and she's sitting in a chair. I kneel on the ground and I began to say, ma'am, I'm sorry. I didn't get a chance to introduce myself. And I went and I presented the books and she ended up buying like six books, six, seven books. This is one lady, right? I remember another time and, and I, I'm at this time, I'm on fire. I'll never forget this. On fire with these books, just putting them in people's homes, selling them, selling them, selling them. I was so on fire. I was like, I don't want to eat lunch because I don't want to mess up whatever's happening right now. So my, my leader was like, okay. He, he's about to drop me off so I can work the street. And at the bottom of the hill was a bunch of, you know, gangsters or whatnot. And I was like, you know what? I know I'm on fire, but just drop me off at the top of the hill. <laughs> so he drops me off at the top of the hill. I knock the door. A lady comes out. I barely say my name. She's like, I know who you are. I was like, you know who I am? She's like, yeah, you're a Seventh Day Adventist. So I was like, how does she know that I'm a Seventh Day Adventist? So I said... She says, I don't, I don't need what you have or something like that. She said something to me of that nature. And I said, ma'am, you're right. You don't need what I have. Now, again, I'm saying this to you because normally I don't have words like this to say to people to get their attention. At that time, I didn't at least. The lady, the lady said she doesn't need the books or whatever. I said, you're right, ma'am. I said, you don't necessarily need these books. But I said, you need Jesus. And I'm telling you. The lady looked at me. It had to be a good, felt like forever again, but it had to be a good 10, 10, 15 seconds. 
no words. She looks at me and says, "You're you're an angel. You you must be an angel." I said, "No, ma'am, I'm no angel." But I said, I have been sent here to give you this. And I pulled out Steps to Christ and I gave it to her. And she began to cry. And I prayed with her and went down the street to where, where the gangsters were. And, I, you know, you always look for the head guy. So I looked for the head guy. I got to the head guy. He was a nice guy. He, he, he ends up buying a book for his children because he has little kids. He don't want them to grow up crazy. So he buys a book. I'm able to give. He buys a book. Then everybody else is able to take stuff from me because, you know, the head guy got something from me. I mean, I'm just saying, like, over and over and over, I've seen God do this, not just through me. I've seen it through the students. I've seen it through other, other, other missionary workers for God. When you put yourself out there, God will give you what you don't have because he sees that you're, you're giving of yourself for his cause. So look for opportunities. Heaven will open your eyes. To opportunities to share him with persons, whether it be in the workplace, whether it be at your job, whether it be on a mission project, whether it's on family vacation, whether it's you going to the grocery store, whether you're going to the laundry, heaven will open opportunities. Now is the time to share your relationship with others in these crazy times. But you can't share what you don't have. So that's why we've been doing these studies. Learning to love God. And as you learn to love him, it will well up in your soul. And there's no question. There's no question. You're going to share. You're going to share. I know for me, whenever I do these talks, I know heaven comes down and fellowships with us and fellowships with me as I'm communing with you. I know that without question. Without question. Oh, all right, my friends. I appreciate you this evening. How many understood what we talked about tonight? If you understood, just type in amen in the chat. Just type in amen in the chat if you understood what we talked about tonight. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. All right, praise God. Now, some of you are, someone asked me, how do I share this with new participants? They need to register. Yeah, so if you if you have received an email from me regarding this study, then it should be there, right? That, that uh, registration link should be in an email that you receive from me. If it's not, just email me back, and then I will uh, send you the link via email. And someone else wrote, what Bible study guide would you recommend that reflect these principles you're outlining here that I can share with others? Great question. Okay, great question. Um, so I am creating study guides. Uh, you guys need to pray that I find an assistant so I can get this stuff done faster. Um, but I am creating study guides and, I, and all the PowerPoints I'm going to be giving to everyone so you can have them and share them as you will. Uh, is there a study guides already made that go over these points? I don't know. Uh, I haven't come across any that have already been made that kind of go over the same points. But the book, Steps to Christ, is what the framework of our study. So um, just keep that in mind. Keep that in mind. My friends, again, I just want to thank you so much for coming out this evening. Let's have a word of prayer that you understand and 
my my thought. Yeah, so Sister Monica, what you do is you send me an email directly to me, and then I will send you that link, and then you can forward that link over to your friends. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Well, let's have a word of prayer, my friends. Let's let's bow our heads. Father in heaven, just want to thank you so much for your love and mercy. Uh, thank you, Lord, for not giving us what we deserve, for giving us what your dear son does. Lord, we, we love you, but there's limits to our love. So we ask, Lord, that you teach us to expand that love and learn to love you more. We know, Father, that in order to share the gospel with others, we must experience it ourselves. And there's no limit to how we can share it with you if you are directing our steps. Help us to be faithful in that which is considered small so that you can make us faithful in, in that which is much. We desire a true experience with you, Father. No longer, no longer a religious responsibility in and of itself, but, but Lord, a true divine experience where it comes forth from a love relationship with you. Please, Lord, the days are dark and evil. The enemy is rising up on all sides. He's taking aim at our homes. He's taking aim at our own spiritual walks. He's taking aim at our church. We ask, Lord, that you raise up a standard to keep us. We ask this knowing that you could do abundantly above whatever we ask or think, knowing, Lord, that when it's all said and done, you will receive all the honor and praise and thanksgiving and We want to say a, a final no to the devil, Father. Help us as a church, as a unit, as a group to say a no, a final no to the devil. Where We're not moved by his temptations, Lord. We're not there yet, but we want to be. So we pray this knowing that you could do abundantly above whatever we ask you to think. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. This concludes another episode of The Gospelpreneur. Be sure to subscribe and share with your friends so we can all grow together. Until next time, be the abundance and be blessed.